it's not about how much time do I have and is it ideal. You take what you have, you do the best that you can, and you move in a direction where your financial future is getting better because of the actions you're taking today. In this episode of Getting Money Right, we're continuing our conversation on investing for retirement. And we want to equip you with modern philosophies for investing and show you exactly where to start. This series is going to give you the confidence to go out and make some retirement investing decisions right now, and it's going to teach you what it takes to become a millionaire. This is Warren Buffett, who is one of the greatest investors in the world. He has consistently beat the market himself. He's constantly had huge gains year over year over year across his general career. And this is his advice to use his money when he passes away. So when he dies, this is going to be his advice to his estate. And he writes this out. He says, my advice to the trustee, in other words, the person managing his trust, couldn't be more simple. Put 10% of the cash into short-term government bonds. So 10% into just bonds. And then the rest, the other 90% into a very low-cost S&P 500 index fund. And then he says, I suggest Vanguard because Vanguard is known for super low fees. He says, I believe that the trust's long-term results from this policy will be superior to those attained by most investors, uh, whether it's pension funds, institutions, or individuals who employ high fee managers. This is somebody who made a living doubling, tripling, making money quickly and growing investments fast. He was great. He beat the market. He's saying that he personally could not choose the next person who will beat the market again. And a while back, I even heard a story where he put a million dollars out there and he said, Hey, I'll, I'll bet $1 million uh, that if I invest in the S and P 500 for now to 10 years from now, maybe in five years, I think it was 10 years from now. I bet that I'll be any other hedge fund that's willing to bet $1 million. Mm -hmm. And nobody took him up on it until a little bit later. And then a hedge fund did. They said, hey, we can beat beat the market. I mean, the market's simple. It's just the top 500 companies, you know, and some people do beat the market. So the hedge fund said, we're going to beat them. We're going to beat them. And guess who ended up winning the bet? Warren Buffett, all the way. (laughs) the, The index fund that had very low fees beat the actively managed fund. I'm not saying that there aren't managers out there who will beat the regular market, the S&P 500, but I am saying that it's very difficult to know who those people are in advance, so much so that one of the greatest investors of our time, even he said, I I couldn't do it. I can't pick the next Warren Buffett. And why would you take the risk? Yeah. If, If the data shows that if you invest this way, that you'll see a better return with less risk, why would you pay higher fees? Why would you hire somebody hoping that they somehow have a, a better crystal ball they can look into to find? Honestly, I, again, I'm not against uh, actively, actively managed yeah. funds. I'm not against them. I just think the market speaks and the record speaks for itself. So for the average investor, and this is who we're talking to, right, right. why why take those risks? Why why try to be that active manager? Mm-hmm. Why move your money around? And okay, the stock's going up for for tech. Let's move it all in there. Most of the time, by the time we think about, oh, the market's moving in a certain direction, it's about to shift and we're buying on the high and <laughs> yeah. selling low. So I, I've tried this early on when I was trying to learn how to invest. I tried to time the market. Everyone wants to because, you know, who doesn't want to have 30% growth year over year over year? 
if I can do that for the next 10 years, I can retire and, and never worry about money again. Sure. Yeah. All of us want that, I think. Um, but ultimately, it's it's really much, much riskier. And it's proven over and over and over again that it's not as efficient or as effective as the other way. Yeah. So, so why would you do it? Why would you take the risk? You use the exact word. It's not as efficient. And this is funny because it's called the efficient market hypothesis. And the hypothesis or the assumption or the guess is that the market is so efficient that the price of it going up is already built in. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I think I'm going to get a deal. No, a lot of people thought they were going to get a deal. So they already paid for it. And that is built into the price. It's either lower, abnormally low, or it's abnormally high because of estimations already being built in. So uh, we know that, that no market is perfectly efficient and is perfectly priced all the time. Sure. But what we don't know is who's going to be right at guessing where it's inefficient. And, and there's another aspect of this. And think about every every boom, every bust. Yeah. What what makes the market go up and down? Most of the time, it's not the actual data. It's the emotions yeah. that are driven by the unknowns. It's There's a war, and that could create things. Right. It could create problems. And sometimes it doesn't. It doesn't affect the bottom line. But yet these fears, terrorism, whatever, all these things are are emotions that drive people to either invest or pull their money, sell when they shouldn't, all those things. But what we're saying is if you follow the the market and what the market does, as, as David just mentioned, that all those things are built in. So if you r decide to ride the emotional roller coaster, it's going to be a bumpy ride. Yeah. And you're probably going to get off at the wrong time. Yes. And you're probably going to lose a bunch of money that you could have saved yourself if you just Stay committed to the long term. Allow the market to do what the market has been doing for over a hundred years. Yeah, and and just bet on the sure thing, which is that as long as the, listen, if the market crashes and everything goes upside down, yeah, we're all we're all we're in the all same in boat anyway. Right. So, <laughs> it, doesn't so matter it doesn't matter. What matter. We're in. all yeah. going to be broke, and we're all going to start all over again. So there is no way to protect yourself from that. You live in this world. The market is what it is. We have a global economy, and that's just the way it's going to work. Yeah. I just want to touch on one more thing, and yeah. then David, you're going to touch on some of the specifics, and. Here's what I want to say. So what if I raise a bunch of money? How do I know if I'm going to have enough in retirement? Really, that's the biggest question we all want. Do I have enough to retire? And how do I know I'm not going to run out? This is one of the biggest fears in America right now is running out of money in retirement. And it's a, it's a realistic fear because many people haven't saved enough to get there. So there's a there's a, just like the rule of 72, there's a 4% rule. Hmm. And what that really means in a nutshell is this. You want to save enough money for retirement so that in retirement, you can draw a 4% from that amount, right? Let's say it's a million dollars. You draw 4% to live on every year. Because what that means is you can, again, as David said earlier, you can put your stocks and your investments in a more secure, not as high-risk investment like bonds so that you make sure that that doesn't burn. Because at, yeah. at, at that time in your life, when you're 65, 70 or older, you can't ride the roller coaster like you used to. You can't wait 10 years for things to come back. You're actually drawing the money to live on. So because of that, the 4% rule comes in. And basically what that means is that you draw 4%. And if you do that, then that money that you have will last you um, for the remainder of your life. And usually that's going to be anywhere from 20 to 30, maybe 35 years from the time you retire. Yeah. And these are basic rules of thumb. But think about that. If you have a million dollars in your retirement account, well, what's 4% of that? $40,000. $40, so every year you can withdraw $40,000 and 
over the market kind of history, you should be gaining enough in your investments. And then some years is up, some years is down, but you should be able to basically float at around a million dollars. Maybe it goes down to 800, maybe it goes up to 1.2 million. But if you're only withdrawing 40,000 a year, great, you can live on that. So if I know my lifestyle is $40,000 a year, then maybe one of the goals in life is to get to a million dollars invested. If my lifestyle is where I live on $80,000 a year, then I'm going to need $2 million. That's 80000 That's 4%. So, so these are basic rules of thumb to look at right now. If you're 30 and you have $100,000 in your investments, and that might be high, but let's just throw out a number here, uh, then think from the rule of 72, if you get 7% returns, then every 10 years, your money's going to double. So from 30 to 40, your money doubles to 200000 from 40 to 50, your money doubles to 400,000. Think about these broader perspectives and know if I need to get to a million, then I can live on $40,000 a year when I retire. And that's why you'd wanna have your house paid off and your cars paid off and you'd wanna have insurance in place so you could actually live at that income. So we don't know exactly what this looks like for you, but these rules of thumb will help you in your planning. And, you know, we encourage you to sit down with a professional and pay pay a professional to look over the numbers with you. But you could start today. That's what we promised in this episode is you could start today. Right. All right. So let me close it out with one more thing. And this is really, uh, I think, the thing that hopefully you all came here for is every time I hear somebody talk about mutual funds and index funds, yeah, my thought is, okay, but where do I buy that? Where do I, where do I go get that? And I honestly, this is so silly, but I heard about it for years and years, but I never understood where do I go buy that? Now I I could get it in my 401k at my job and your 403b or your thrift savings plan. If you work for the government and you're in the TSP, um, so you can do that there. I would recommend you start with your employer if they offer it, especially if they offer a match, that's usually a great way to do it. Uh, but Let's say that you're not employed at a company that has a 401k or a 403b or a TSP. Then, you know, we've talked about mutual funds. Go online. And I would just start by Googling, you know, where can I buy mutual funds? That would get you there. I'm going to give you five of the top brokers or maybe four of the top brokers in the country. I'm not trying to sell these brokers at all. What you're looking for is a broker. This is somebody who can sell you an investment. So you might type in, uh, investment brokerages, investment brokers. You could Google that and find these, but I'll tell you top four. Uh, Vanguard is always in the top four. They're known for having the lowest fees in the country. Uh, Charles Schwab is in the top four, another excellent firm with very low fees. Fidelity, TD Ameritrade, all four of these great companies. Go to Google, type in Vanguard mutual fund list. Charles Schwab mutual fund list. You want a list of these mutual funds. And when you pull up that list, uh, this is very simple. You get to the place where you see a list of all those mutual funds. One, you only want to be investing in things that have a 10-year track record or more. So there's four basic things I'm looking for. One is that this mutual fund has been around for more than 10 years. Because I said, if you look at the last five years, it's going to be great. But I really want to see how did they perform over... 15, 20, 30 years. And if you go to a lot of these companies, they'll have mutual funds that have been around since the 80s and have returned 9%, 10%, 11%. And I'm actually looking at it right now on one of these companies. I've got it pulled up on the internet and it's showing uh, a fund that has performed 
let's see, 11%, 11.12%. That's, that's crazy over 30 plus years. So one, you want more than a 10 year track record. And the way you'll look at that is you'll look at the inception date. When was this fund first started? They'll usually show you the one year, the five year and the 10 year investment returns. But you're looking about since inception. When did it start? Then the second thing you look for is that since its inception has it averaged nine to 11% in returns. I'm looking for funds that have done well for the past 30 years. So if it's average nine to 11, I feel very comfortable, not guaranteed I'll get nine to 11 over the next 30 years, but I at least know these guys know what they're doing. And then minimal fees. I'm looking for companies personally, I'm, I'm a little cheap on the fee side and, and advisors will say, Hey, that's too cheap. You need to pay us. And I get that. Um, but I'm looking at mutual funds or ETFs that are at point. 25%. That's one quarter of 1%. That is a low fee. And I've got some ETFs that are at like 0 0.05. Mm. So that's one twentieth of 1%. Nice. Um, that's a great place to be. That means that means I'm paying like $5 for every $1,000 I've got invested. Uh, you I get mean, to keep more of your money <laughs> so you can invest yes. more of it and grow more of it. And that, uh, Yeah. So that actually it's $5 out of every $10,000. I mean, it's just super cheap um, versus 1%. Uh, I guess a, about a 0.75% uh, would be a medium fee and then 1.25% would be a high fee. So so don't get sold by somebody coming and saying, you've got to buy this, you've got to buy this, you've got to buy this. Instead, look at the track record, look for 9 to 11% returns and minimum or minimal fees. Uh, we talked about investing for 40 years from age 30 to age 70. If you're paying 1%, that is going to add up and, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it, it will literally add up to $100,000, $200,000 over the life of investing. And you need to be aware that in fact, the interest you would have earned on yes. that $100,000, $200,000. Yes. Yeah, so I, I do believe that getting good, solid financial advice is very important. And I am not opposed to you paying someone to help you on this process. Uh, I encourage it because they will help hold you accountable. But that being said, be aware of the fees. Just know what you're paying and have a basic understanding of what you're invested in. Go back and listen to episode one and two and definitely come back and listen next week to episode three. Yeah. Well, again, the reason we wanted to do these two episodes is just to lay down some just common language around investing and to help you to understand what that looks like. And again, you can't really ever invest well unless you get on a solid plan, create some margin, and you need a budget. Yeah. You need a plan for your life. Investing is something you do. It's not the biggest portion, right? It's maybe 15%. That's a healthy amount to put toward long-term investing. But the other 85%, you have to manage as well. And that's your life. So it's important to have a plan so that you can build that margin so then eventually you can invest. Otherwise, you're going to invest and then stop and then invest again and stop. And of course, that's not going to work for you because again, we're talking about compound interest that adds year after year after year. And that example we gave some time ago that if you have two different people, one that starts at, let's say, 20 to invest $1,000 a year for eight years and then stops investing, the person who starts at year eight and invests for the rest of their life, 25, 30 years, will actually have less than the person who just invested eight. Yes. Because of the power of compound interest. So it's important. It's really, really important that you get to a place where you can carve out an amount. And again, the example we gave earlier of just $600 a month can make you a multimillionaire. Uh, it's a no-brainer. It's something that we get to do. We have 
easy access to. Yes. You can do what David said, go on it with some of these brokerage firms and purchase these on your own. You don't necessarily need, if you're self-employed or have your own business, you don't need to be buying into a big fund. You don't mm -hmm. have the employee benefits, but you can still do this. It's for everybody. It's easily available. Yeah. And get educated. It's about learning financial education and investing is one of those. Yeah. And if you set that up at those brokerages, if you're doing it for retirement where you're not going to touch it for 20, 30, 40 years, then set it up as a Roth. Mm -hmm. And then you pay the taxes now, but then you don't pay taxes on that two, three, four million dollars. Right. Can you right. imagine it's having incredible. four million dollars and never paying a penny of taxes on it after you've already invested it? That's amazing. Yeah, um, I, well, we gave the example of of having a forty thousand dollar income, four percent of a million dollars. Yeah. If you have saved. Now, what if you have to pay taxes on that? And what yep. if the tax rate in the future is 25, 30, 40 percent? Now you're losing, you know, a third of your income of that forty thousand yeah. to live on. So yeah. now you're gonna have to take more in order to live on the 40 because you're going to need to take 55 out in order to you see what i'm saying that's so exactly it, it. so it becomes it gets to the point where now that money is not going to last you as long because you're paying taxes on it and yes. that's something to consider yes and leo and i can't predict the future but uh when we look forward we see that america is already behind that we are already upside down heavily on our government spending and on our debt and so the only way to fix that is two things either the government lowers the benefits it's giving to the people and it spends less money, which it, which would be fine. Spend less. That'd be great. Or the government raises taxes and takes more money from the taxpayers. And so it's, it's either one. Either government's going to offer you less Social Security in the future or less military spending in the future or less Medicare in the future. Or the government is going to charge you more for those features. And if the government charges you more, it would have been better to pay taxes today <laughs> and then get that money tax-free when you retire. Th those are my two cents. And I think about 90% of the time, it makes sense to do the Roth option. And we're not going to break down the specifics. Maybe a very technical future episode, we will. Uh, but and, and we talked about last week. But we could go even deeper because, Leo, I'm a little bit nerdy when it comes to this. So I could go deeper. <laughs> <laughs> me too, me too. You know, David, what I'm thinking about is the listener who's thinking, but I'm not 25 anymore. I'm not even 30. Yeah. I'm actually in my late 40s. So is it too late for me to start? And I think you would agree with me that it's never too late to start. Absolutely. Right? We, we live longer than we used to. In fact, in 2011, the average uh, age for men and women was much higher than it has been, than it ever has been. Yeah. I think for men, it's 76, and for women... Uh, it's 81. Mm -hmm. So we live longer lives. Uh, we're healthier than we ever were. So that means that in our 70s and 80s, we're more active, right? So is it too late? No, absolutely not. Not only because of life expectancy, but also because there's other opportunities for investing. I like for us to just spend a few minutes talking about the other types of investing. And actually, we're going to touch on one next week on how to invest in real estate and what that looks like. But this, the, what we've been talking about over the last two episodes has been investing in passive uh, investment, right? It's yeah. just investing yeah. in mutual funds and stocks, and, and it's something that we don't have to work at. We just basically take the money and put it into a fund, and over time, that increases. So there's no work that we yeah. perform to get that done. So is that the only way we should do it? I don't think so. I think we should look at different ways that we can invest. This is obviously the most, the easiest, I think, to do because it doesn't require any work. But there are other types of investing. So even if this type of investment doesn't yield 100% of your income in the future, that's okay. 
What if it yields 40, 50% of your income? That's still better than doing nothing, right? Yeah. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's interesting to me that, you know, we, we begin to think, well, you know, I'm in my 40s, I'm in my 50s. It's too late to start. We're talking about passive investing. And I think it's, I think it's great to start doing that now too, because the government gives you more room in how much you can invest and larger investment caps. So, so there's a benefit to playing catch up and investing in the market. But I love what you're talking about, Leo. You know, if you, if you're in your forties, fifties, sixties, well, it's projected out that you're going to live into your eighties now. I mean, if you make it to your 60s, on average, you're going to live out to your 80s. And and so that gives you another 20 years to impact the world that you live in. And that impact can be in the local community and through business. That impact can be on your kids, the investments that you pour into them. Now, I'm not talking about financial investment. I'm talking about the time and the energy. And your kids may be grown, so maybe you're spending time with your grandkids and imparting wisdom. But, but that impact, uh, I think of the people in their lives. And there's a, a large number who in their 60s, because they had more time, they began to pursue their passion for the first time. And that passion turned into a side business and then a full on business. And because they had 40 years of connections, of relationships, whether it's friends, family, coworkers, colleagues, they were able to expand that business and serve hundreds of people, mm. thousands yeah. of people. And as you serve more people, Leo, we know that your income will increase. And Absolutely. so, and so in your sixties, that's the best time to serve. Why not turn around and take those passions that you spent a whole lifetime cultivating mm-hmm. and then going back out and serving other people with that. So this passive investing is fun. And I love talking about it because you can start early and even late and over 20 years, double and then double your money again. So you could still from 60 to 80 go from, a hundred thousand to then two hundred to then four hundred, and you could you can still do great things, uh, but the time to start is now. No matter where you're at, listening to this, the time to start is now. Even if you're super young and you're like, well, I've got a little bit a little bit longer till I need to start that. Start now. Just get in the habit. To get in the habit of serving people and of investing your finances. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Again, it's not about how much time do I have? And is it ideal? You take what you have, you do the best that you can, and you move in a direction where your financial future is getting better because of the actions you're taking today. So it's not too late. And starting a business, I see so many people in their 40s and 50s starting a business. You know why? Because they went to college, they did the the typical career path. There were CPAs or electricians or whatever. And then later on, they realized, you know, the skills that I have and the additional experience I've added to my life, why, why work for someone else? Why not work for myself? I can, I can determine my own future. I can determine how much money I can make. I'm not limited to a, an hourly wage anymore. And I see more and more people, and honestly, I mean, if you think about it, are you not smarter, wiser, and more mature in your 40s and 50s than in your 20s? So you're going to have more potential for success. So why not do this passive income so that it creates a, a, a safety? Maybe, like I said, it, it, maybe it's 50% of your income in the future. Maybe it's less. Starting a business has the potential to increase your income very quickly to a very high amount based on what you're, what you're doing. And like David said, one of the benefits of being older is that you can do the catch-up. So that means you can take more of your income now and either tax defer it or put it in these investments, these passive investments, or other types of investments to gain the benefits. So there's many people that I know, people that I've studied and read about and, and follow on a regular basis that decided to go into a business or start something like real estate investing or something else. And within five to 10 years, they retired. Yeah. 
So it's totally possible. It does not require 40, 50 years. What we're talking about, what we've been talking about these last two episodes, is about passive investing, which doesn't require you to do anything other than just to put your money toward a mutual fund, an index fund, something that just steadily builds up over time. It's it's a no-brainer. Yeah, and that's wisdom. It's wisdom to set that money aside while you're growing your business on the side, while you're living your life, because your business might not strike rich and and you know turn you into a millionaire. But if you just save this regular amount over and over and over again, you will. You will save large amounts of money. Now, I know another fear is, okay, you know, what if I'm not going to have enough to live the lifestyle I'm at mm-hmm. now? Yeah, it's good. Well, take a look at your lifestyle and realize that when you get into your 60s and into your 70s, things are going to change. You probably won't have kids living at home. So that means you're going to be feeding less people. Uh, It means you're going to have less car insurance. I mean, think about when your kids are in their 20s and they may still be on your car insurance. I think for boys, I think the car insurance is a super high premium all the way up to age 25. And you probably still have your 25-year-old son on your insurance now. Well, there's a couple hundred bucks that you won't be paying in retirement. Hopefully. Hopefully your your son will not still be on your insurance when you're <laughs> in your 60s not. or your daughter or whoever. Uh, but you know, hopefully you've paid your house off. If you listen to this podcast over the next 10 years, you will pay your house off. We'll well, make, yeah, we're we'll going to walk sure you through it. it. <laughs> we'll make sure of it. Um, you know, less water and electricity when the kids move out. Uh, you're going to be using less energy. Uh, you might downsize. And this is so, so important. If you reduce your lifestyle, for every every dollar that you reduce your lifestyle, that dramatically reduces how much you need to save in the future. Mm-hmm. And so if you reduce your lifestyle from $50,000 a year down to $40,000 a year, it's a $10,000 cut now, but it may save you $100,000 in investments that you needed to add up to. Yeah. So just learn to lower your lifestyle, move to a state that doesn't have property income taxes or you know high property taxes, or there are states that have zero income taxes. And you may look at this, maybe in your earning years, you live in a state with low income taxes. And then in your retirement years, you move to a state with no property taxes. And so now... Or or, or low property taxes. Yeah, low, low or property frozen, taxes. frozen property taxes. Because yes. when you get to a certain age in some states, they just freeze it. So yep. that's a control cost. You don't have to worry about your taxes continuing to grow as the property value grows. Yeah, exactly. And that's one of the things that I think a lot of people don't even realize is that a lot of states will freeze your property taxes when you hit retirement age. That's a big deal. It's not going to go up anymore. Your house is paid off. Your property taxes don't go up. Um, and so look for the efficiency of moving even maybe a county or two over. It might make a big difference on your property taxes, on your local sales taxes. And, and realize that if you are in your 40s and 50s, those are the highest income earning years of your life, mm-hmm. most likely. That's when right. you've got the most potential. You still have a ton of energy. You've got pretty good health. And you're able to go out and utilize the first 20 years of experience of your career and leverage that into big income. So, so don't worry. Don't have fear if this is, is this seems like, well, how could I ever hit those numbers? A, utilize time. B, utilize your experience. And C, lower your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be okay. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll use a personal example. We would never want to teach you guys anything or share anything that we're not willing to do ourselves or are doing ourselves. So my wife and I, eight years ago, downsized. We had a four-bedroom three bathroom bathroom house. It was a 2,400 square foot home. And we only had two children, but we moved to this house when we moved from one state, uh, from Chicago, uh, Illinois to, to uh, Texas. 
And our property value just continued to rise over the nine, 10 years that we owned it. And we came to a point where we said, okay, um, the taxes are getting to the point where it's eating more and more of our income. And we decided we, we kind of kept our lifestyle. We know what our lifestyle should be when we felt like, not that we couldn't afford it. A house was actually paid off, but our taxes and our, our utilities, everything is just kind of rising up because of the size house that we had. And it wasn't enormous to our, you know, we had, again, four people in the family, four bedroom, we had one office. So it wasn't like, oh, we had 16 bedrooms. It wasn't anything like that. But it was just a little bit more than what we felt comfortable with. So what we did is we sold the house, bought a house that was $50,000 cheaper. Our taxes dropped by over 1000 a year. Our utilities dropped. So over the last eight years of living in this house, we have lowered our cost year over year by at least two to $3,000. Now add that up over eight years, and you see the difference. Not only did I buy a cheaper home, uh, and not cheaper in the, the aesthetics or the ability for me to have a good lifestyle, but less expensive and still have the same value. So again, that's different for everybody, and, and you guys decide what that looks for you. But as you get older, if you decide to downsize, realize that when you get older, the last thing you want to do is maintain a 5,000-square-foot home. Who wants that for two people? I mean, that's just too much work. And then, God forbid, you have to hire someone to do that because you're too tired or too old to do it. So again, there's ways to cut costs. But what we're trying to say to you is just kind of wrap this up, is to say it's never too late to start. There's always opportunities to invest, and passive investing is the no-brainer investing everyone should do. You should do it because it's going to be a benefit to you in the future. Yeah, and if you do this over a long period of time, you will get back into that two to three to four million dollar range that Leo and I talked about, and you could get even higher. Um, It's absolutely staggering what a little bit of time and a little bit of investing will do. Well, thank you for joining us for this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and become a subscriber. We'd love for you to be part of this ongoing financial education podcast that we are putting out every week. We would love for you to subscribe. Also, review. Write us a review. That is such a big deal. When you write a review, it ranks us based on those reviews, how many we have, how high the, the reviews are. So we know it's an extra thing that we're asking you to do, but hopefully if we're adding value to you, you can add some value back to us. And it's not just really for us. It's also because it makes it more available and easier to find for others. So please do that. Take the moment to do that. And we really, really appreciate it. You can also share our podcast with uh, family and friends. Uh, yeah. Social media is a great way to do it. But if you know someone that could use this information, we would encourage you to just let them know. Uh, let them know that this is something that uh, is going to be available to them in the future as well. Uh, we look forward to having you join us next time so that together we, we can, can keep, keep getting, getting money, money right. right. So long, folks. This passive investing is fun and I love talking about it because you can start early and even late and over 20 years double and then double your money again.